Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the middle that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up woman. This podcast is brought to you by Hush, laid-back style for rebel women. By the way, if you listen to this on a new app called Entail, E-N-T-A-L-E, you'll be able to see pictures, shop links, and generally have a really relaxing magazine experience. Hi, I'm Annabelle, and I'm absolutely fine. But today, I'm struggling to work out what the point of me is. And that's making me feel quite sad. I feel like everybody else has a purpose. And just for today, I just feel like I'm a squeak hanging in the vortex. How are you, Emily? Well, um, I'm fine. Mine feel like really first world problems <laughs> compared to yours right now, your existential crisis. I set you up. Yeah. Um, I am absolutely fine, but I have discovered I have neck acne. <laughs> Nackne, as I'm going to call it now. Neckne. Neckne. Um, and I've, I've managed to survive the last 30 years without any kind of major spot outbreak. And now I've got a crop of spots on my neck. What can it be? I know what it could be. What? That very natty new snood you bought yourself that you think is fabulous and it's giving you neckney and you know I'm right. Oh my God, I've got snackney. The timing works, right? Oh, it's so depressing. Anyway, we are delighted to introduce the ultimate multi-hyphenate. Well, she wrote the book on it. Emma Gannon is a best-selling author, hyphen journalist, hyphen social media editor, hyphen podcast creator. The podcast is Control, Alt, Delete, and she interviews the likes of Lena Dunham, Naomi Alderman, Fern Cotton, and a myriad others about creativity, well-being, and their relationship with the internet. Emma is also a front-runner in the women's battle to make work work for them, so we are almost weepingly glad to see her, because here's someone who just might have their shit together. Emma, how are you? I'm absolutely fine, but I'm slightly hungover. Had three glasses of Prosecco, maybe more because they were sort of topping it up halfway, so who knows? I don't believe um, that three glasses of Prosecco is going to give you a hangover, Emma. Yeah, I do feel a bit rosy. I think you are underestimating your consumption, but please continue. <laughs> I think as well I get really sad when I wake up hungover because for so long in my 20s, early 20s, I just woke up and I was like, what is a hangover? Yes. And I would smash the day, and now can't do that can't smash the day I know and also it just takes a few like late for me it just takes a few kind of missed hours of sleep to feel like I'm basically hungover and also just to you know add to my bat squeak in the vortex of the universe comment how old are you I'm 29 just wait <laughs> this is what I was saying is <laughs> I'm there going I'm a bit hungover because I went out all night and like had some Prosecco and then I genuinely think this is not the half of it I haven't woken up eight times in the night with a toddler so I hear you. Well, no, it's not that. It's just that when you get to 40, your hangover lasts for the rest of your natural life. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had a drink for 13 years and I'm still fucking hungover. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what, though? My dad drinks quite a lot, but he has taught me that you should just have some water in between each drink and then drink a pint of water before you go to bed. We all He's know that. He's never hungover. <laughs> we, we, we all know that and none of us ever do that because we're too Why pissed. Why do we not do that? Also, if I drank that much water, I would just basically be spend the whole of the party and the night in the loo. Emily <laughs> Emily famously has a bladder the size of a lentil. I love that this is now the most famous thing about me. It's like, hi, Emily, lentil bladder <laughs> and neck acne. Oh my goodness, I'm married is all I could say. So Emma, we wanted to talk to you about the rhythm of your day, really. Um, so when you're not hungover and you want to go out and smash the day, what's that look like for you? It looks totally different every day. And this is the thing is 
anyone that asks me what's your routine I have no answer for you because every day is totally different but obviously there is a rhythm in the, in the sense of I try and don't I try not to work beyond like 7 p.m I try I wake up quite late. <laughs> I was interested to hear on one of your podcasts that someone, an, an, an expert in creativity, suggested that what you do is you get up and have breakfast like a human being, you work for an hour or two, go for a walk like a human being, maybe do another hour, then do something else that proves you're a human being, and then maybe another hour or two that sees you through to mid-afternoon and you're done. Yeah, d- don't over-egg the to-do list. Basically, I used to be that presenteeism as well. Just because you're at your desk yeah. doesn't mean you're productive, right? 100%. And I guess I don't want to be too niche about this, but I guess I'm a self-employed person who is working on content and creativity. So me sat at my desk just scrolling through other people's stuff, that's not going to help my career. I need to be out there going on a walk, coming up with the next thing. And I think a lot of success in this industry is thinking ahead, thinking about the future, looking outside of what everyone else is doing, looking outside of the rat race. And that time that looks like dead time to someone else is actually my most productive time. So do you have any sort of creativity hacks? If people need to, people, you know, that those times when I certainly get this, when I might look at a blank screen or be about to give a talk or something is about to happen where I have to prove myself in some small way. And I just realize that this is the moment when I'm gonna be found out. This is my imposter moment. And how do you blast through that and, you know, make the creativity happen? There's two things I do, and I don't know if these will resonate in any way because they're very personal, but um, have you heard of the author Tim, Tim Ferriss? He's a big podcaster in the US. He's, he's, I love him. He wrote the book, The Four Hour Work Week. Okay. Lol. Um, but he is great. Like, like the sound of him <laughs> straight away. He's great. He's just, he's a bit of a, you know, um, what's his name? Uh, Tim Robbins? What's his name? Oh my God. No, Thingy Robbins. Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins. He's a bit of a sort of hype man, but I really love him. And he says, when we are in the depth of confusion and imposter syndrome and we can't do it, you basically have to trick your mind that it's really easy. And his phrase is, what if this was easy? So you're about to start a presentation for a client. You're about to start your next novel. You're about to do x y and z you have to kind of start from a place of i think this will be easy you just have to go in with feeling like it's not that complicated which is hard to do but it works for me and then the second thing is i take myself off and i read the work of someone i admire so rereading books i love rereading something that makes me excited about creativity reading a book i love by someone who is so good at what they do I don't compare myself, I just go, oh my God, that's really inspired me. And switching comparison to inspiration is one of the things I've been working on for the last five years. How do you trick yourself to go, wow, instead of, oh, that means I'm shit? I yes. think turning those little things on their heads is so useful, isn't it? Like We had a lot of conversations in the in the last series of the podcast about, you know, being kind to our bodies, for example, as opposed to like taking it out on our bodies and being grateful, you know, and that kind of thing. And I think with the mind as well, it's the same thing, isn't it? It's like, listen, um, instead of saying, why are you, what, you know, turning it onto yourself and saying, why can't you do this? You mean exactly flip the switch and think, I can do this, or at least I'm going to give it a go and see what happens. And And someone else has done it. There's an arrogance to that of this person's done it so I can do it. I don't mean that. I mean, it's possible. This person has done it, and then I can do it. You know, it's it's one of those things where we're all human. We can all do, we are all capable of things. But it is amazing, isn't it, how some people can just soar on the wings of self-belief. You know, that that is almost enough. 
um, and they can just and, and and that in itself is an extraordinary catalyst for productivity. Just you know, believing you can. Yeah, and I actually feel really sad at how rare that is. Yeah. And I I do think I'm lucky. I think I do have that. I think do you? I think I have an innate belief, and and it's sometimes very small. I don't wake up thinking I'm amazing. I wake up thinking it's possible though, and I think that's what started the seeds of many of my side projects. Is just. I don't know the excitement of what it could be, but I think, but you th- that's actually for, for me a kind of almost the closest thing I've got to a religion is this belief in the power of possibility. That's um, all we've got, really. And what I do is because I can't meditate; I'm too frantic. Is if I'm feeling really mad and closed in, I will find a piece of sky. Even I just poke my head out the window, stand in the garden, step out into the street, and just and then I just think, okay, so anything could happen, and it is possible that the universe could serve up something good rather than something terrible, even though my dark soul is always going to tell me that it's going to be awful. It is possible it will be great. Yeah, and sometimes I think we are always prepared for the worst case scenario, but when do we wake up prepared for the best case scenario? Mm. It's just not natural. I mean, there was a book that I read years ago that really changed my mindset on this. It's by a guy called James Altiger. I mean, I don't know what he's like as a person, can I just say? I feel like I have to say that now. haven't done my research into him, but this book is amazing, and it's called Choose Yourself. And it's basically about that. It's just that before you make a decision, try and choose yourself first. Yes, but I don't like think that, we do. Like that no. meme that you see, which is actually quite a good one, that says, what if you're the one you've been waiting for? Oh, I love that. I love that too. Have you found, since you published Control-Alt-Delete, that women have started to talk to you, to seek you out, and to ask you for solutions? I I do have that, but I actually just have people emailing me saying, just wanted to let you know, um, I've just made a really big career decision and it's because of your book, no need to reply, just wanted to tell you. That's that so is nice. the loveliest thing. And I actually had it in M&S the other day. Um, this, this woman came over to me and she had a push chair and she was like, I've just had a baby and I've just been listening to podcasts the whole time and just wanted to let you know that um, I've got this new job because of you, something that in the book you wrote. And I just thought I would never have known that, that that happened to just be a coincidence that we were in M&S at the same time. But I actually think a lot of my readers and listenership, they're kind of older-ish women. I mean that by they're not teens. I don't feel like they need to go on Instagram and tweet your comment. I feel like it's enough just to have read it. Mm. I don't know. I don't have fans. Do you know what I mean? Like I just have fans with the need grown to up women who I would go to the pub with, which yeah. I love. The pub. The pub. <laughs> and grown up women. But I think you are incredibly generous as a as a as a kind of internet entity. You know, you're one of those. You're into the collaborations. You're all about encouraging people. I think that's you know even if it's just by telling your story or if it's by pointing out how you know how things could be done I think it's a it's a generous thing Mm, I I hope so yeah I mean when I look at what success means to me I and I don't want this to come across as like I'm this like martyr who is so worthy about life but when I imagine success I'm not on my own like I'm not in a room on my own being successful I'm with a lot of other women. I'm with. So it's not the dream of the corner a corner office. No, it's a collective success. It's have we all done this together? Have we made a change? Are things, you know, it's not necessarily about me anymore. And I think that's changed for me. It used to be. It used to be I want my byline there. I want a book deal. I want this. It's really not about that anymore. I think part of it's growing up and part of it is modern womanhood. Because, you know, until recently, it was very normal not to trust other women. Because they were either after your husband or your job. 
And so this idea of true collaboration and trust and not seeing other women as threats, I think is even newer than we think. I like agree. I think that Emily and my generation are trying and we're in, an our, we're in our 40s, we're 44. I think your generation is better at it, at the whole sisterhood thing. We're trying, but the, yeah. sometimes the instinct to shout louder is still there. I've seen that with... And not to lump everyone in, you know, the same generation as being the same, but I've seen that with bosses I've had in the past who are Generation X or maybe even Baby Boomer. But the way they would treat younger employees who were sort of a threat was quite sad, but I never judged th- I never judged them and I never thought you're a bad person. I just thought, oh, you've been brought up to think there's any room for a few of us. That's really sad. What point in your in your career did you decide that you wanted to kind of do it your own way. I think that's the biggest, I mean, that's such a big thing because, I mean, I had a point, Annabelle's had a point, you know. Um, well, you where get you, off the bus. Yeah, you get off the bus. You're like, okay, actually turning up at 9.30 or 9 o'clock or whatever every day. and To make you look good. Exactly. And to make money for you. Or whatever. And and, and then to clock off at six and take your 25 days holiday or whatever. Um, what was your, did you have a moment like that? Well, it's quite amazing really because I've only been self-employed for two years. The, and all of this has happened in the last two years. Like, my life is totally 360. Where and were you before? I was at Condé Nast. And I was, yeah, I was there January 2016 is when I left. I remember going home for Christmas and just thinking, what am I doing? Because I was brought up to be grateful to have a job. I didn't have like loads of money that I could borrow. I was graduating into a recession where I remember my lecturer at university when it came in and said, 15% of you will get a job, the rest of you, good luck, and left the room. So you're in a position so where it's I easy was, to believe that you didn't have choices. Oh, 100%. And I would go into the office on like £12,000 a year, my first ever job, and I was like, I'm so grateful I've got a job. I'm so grateful to even be on that salary. Like, the brainwashing that does go into this being grateful to have a job you are grateful, but that can keep you very, very small for a very, very long time. And you can look up in five years and go, and go what am I doing? So I was grateful to have a job for, you know, six years up until uh, 2016, where I thought, I've just got a book deal because of this blog I've been running for, for, for six years. Because I started my blog as soon as I got to London. I was making money. I was working with brands like ASOS. I was doing panels. I was going around the world talking about blogging. And yet I still needed this nine to five at a mainstream magazine to feel like I was doing something with my life. And I'd be watching, you know, YouTube tutorials and like how to be an entrepreneur, like late at night. And I was like, <laughs> is this not telling you something, Emma? You're on YouTube every night typing in how to be self-employed. And yeah, I just I bit the bullet and, and did it. And thank God I did it because I've had the best two years ever. I don't know anyone who's ever regretted that decision. It's so hard Which to is rip a really, off that plaster, Now that I it? say that, it's a really weird thing to say. Not one person who hasn't had more time, more fulfillment, and usually more money. Yeah, and if it doesn't work out, you could always go back. So yeah. I, I you just don't made know. yourself more expensive. Yeah, which okay. was always the plan. But it's like, again, it's the same thing. It's like it's, we're obsessed with structures and where we fit into them, isn't it? And actually, once you smash the structure, whatever it is, and you go, oh, actually, here, I've got all this room and, bre- and, and space to breathe and for, to... Ideate? No, I can't say that fucking I word. Use, I, use the word I used the word ideate in the document yesterday, and it's probably blown Emily's mind. Emily gets new words and then uses them ruthlessly. Once I talked about, um, I think, amplify and activate. Oh, yeah, great word. You, you hit those quite hard for a while, I'm gonna, didn't you? Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm ideating over here. You can still pronounce it, ideating. I can't say it. Ideating. <laughs> if you can't say it, maybe don't use it. Anyway, so we always think of really... Okay, fine. 
Right. I'm going to sulk now. <laughs> While she's corner. sulking, can we look through your handbag? Yes, of course. Now, isn't it compelling, the idea of a woman's handbag and how that might reflect the rhythm of their day and who they really I are? I took out the no mouldy bananas and the mouldy receipts and the dead what flies. What a beautiful red handbag. Talk us through that. So this red handbag is a gorgeous, very generous gift from a lovely woman called Charlotte Elizabeth who is very inspiring to me it can i just say though this bag is so beautiful it's kind of i think like better than a mulberry kind of vibe and um she had a chronic illness with a very long name which i'm so sorry charlotte i can't (laughs) pronounce but she was very very ill for a very long time and and spent a long time in bed you know genuinely so much time in bed that it was awful for her and she started designing handbags from her bed um, blogging about chronic illness and then she got funding from the Prince's Trust and she won a Prince's Trust award last year for her bags because um, I think one of the royals has been seen wearing them one basically she's done a brilliant job with the marketing and the design the bag and is I just beautiful love her. it is beautiful and and I saw it as you came in and I was like oh look at her beautiful bag and now we know that it's actually um, worthy as well also you good. know what karma cross the body bag I, I love mean, if you're running around like a maniac. I mean, you know, because I've got such big boobs, it makes me look like I'm a very aged oh, you put it beauty down the pageant contestant. <laughs> <laughs> um, even a seatbelt makes me look like that. It's a disaster. Anything goes across my body. But in terms of convenience, under the coat, anti-mugger. Who would you be representing? Miss Watch. Miss what? Miss Shepherd's Bush. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Emotional Vortex. <laughs> What would yours be? Mine would be Miss Multi-Hyphenate. You would be Miss, yes. people, Miss, Miss people Pleaser, but not anymore. Is that all right? Sorry? Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> okay, now okay. I didn't even get a chance to say that. But I do want world peace. Look at the, let's look at the innards. Okay, so I'm, I was supposed to bring something. Okay, so this is my absolute bread and butter. It's a Glossier stretch concealer. Have you guys used it? Glossier oh my god is a clever clever it's brand. the best concealer so you know some concealers you like put it on and it's a bit cakey a bit matty a bit sort of and it goes gross. into wrinkles you didn't even know were there right yeah and it makes you look worse this something about the formula don't ask me the science but it, it blends in with the with the way your skin moves so it stretches with the skin I'm not going to put it on my neck acne because I feel like we don't know each other well enough <laughs> for me to do that you but know, I might totally it. can put it on your neck knee under the eyes is so good with this Okay. And just in general. It does feel nice. I like the it's Glossier. It's a good texture. Do you know, Glossier, I've just, we were just playing with it, actually. They've got this amazing new lipstick out. The lipsticks are beautiful. Uh, Glossier's new, well, it's not that new, actually. It was end of last year. And it's, oh, um, yeah, I love that. Yeah, this one's in Crush. And it's a sort of, it makes your lipstick look ready blotted and sort of smushed. Basically, looks like you've just been kissed a lot. Mm. Um, without the self-consciousness that, consciousness that comes with a proper painted on lip. You've got a very strong lip game. Okay, so I need to talk, talk yeah. you through it. So uh, I got it in a goodie bag. Is that bourgeois? Um, bourgeois. Is it the velvet Rouge edition one? velvet. Yeah. So bourgeois rouge edition velvet. For me, it's all about can you eat a croissant without it coming off <laughs> and drink a pint? <laughs> so if it stays on, and this honestly stays on. I've just had a croissant this morning. Can you tell? Have you had a pint no. yet? Not yet, but hair of the dog might be a good idea. Um, I know the stuff. It's very good. And also it's got that nice matte texture doesn't it so you don't look too sort of like Bridget Jones's mum yeah although I, ju- I need to mention that I've got this intensive lip balm beeswax argan oil thing because it dry it does dry your lips out do you have a lip balm problem mm, I used to when I was little mm. <laughs> we've all been there this is Ashley and Co intensive lip balm called lip punch 
Um, Love that. And then I've got a really happy smiley mirror. Oh. Just to like apply said lips. I love it when people still carry mirrors rather than just, you know, their Use phone. the phone. Yeah. Also cheery accessories. Also this mirror is made by people called The Happy News. Oh, so Emily Coxhead is the founder of The Happy Newspaper. She she publishes a newspaper, I think every month or every quarter with Happy News. I love just it. opened That's it and looked especially. at my face. Why does my mascara migrate down my face within five minutes of me putting it on? I don't know why you're looking at me, <laughs> as if I can help. <laughs> it's always good to have I a... Oh, but also I get lipstick on my teeth a lot, which is why I got that mirror. I'm Do that you? person, yeah. That's, that's one of those things like uh, ladders in your tights or very dirty hair um, or very chipped nail varnish that makes you look mad. Yeah. I, don't you think? Can I kind of I I like it. I can top trump that, which is lipstick on marks on your brace of oh that. Ooh, yeah. Looked sophisticated. That's taking me back to being 13 and bullied. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Triggered. Sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> um, I have a little perfume thing. Ooh, what is it? Um, Bulgari. I, I got it free on a flight. It's but a um, sometimes I just think smelling nice is very important. Totally agree. What fragrance? Do I you think wear? light, like it's polite. Yeah, as well as as well as nice to whatever. It's like, oh look at me, I smell nice. And it's I always remember someone who smells nice. I'm like, she smelled nice. I actually want to be that person that like wafts it down the street, and everyone's like, Jesus. Like, like I want to be that woman. Like those ladies in the '80s who wore, what was it called, Beverly Hills? Oh, was it? It was uh, in yellow and, and white yellow? stripes. Oh my God, Rodeo Drive. No, something Beverly Hills, and the other one was Poison, but there was something Be- Giorgio Beverly Hills. That was it. Oh, yeah. Revolting. There's something so glamorous about just wafting. smelling and wafting. I know you can imagine um, that, um, that uh, Joan Collins smells delicious. Yeah. Or, or, or she smells co- Joan Collinsy. Mm. And her whole house is just smelling of candles. My last thing I just wanted to talk about is um, can I talk about a little book I've got in my bag? Yeah. Because yes. um, I've lost my headphones, annoying. So I needed to come here. It was like half an hour on the tube to read something. It's called How to Not Always How to Not Always Be Working: A Toolkit for Creativity and Radical Self Care. It's the cutest book in the world. Can we see? It's just lovely, and I need it. Do you and know it says in this book it's got a list how to work better, and number one is do one thing at a time. And I've noticed in the past few months, I spend a lot of my day saying quietly, quietly yet angrily, can I just do one thing at a time? Can I just do one thing at a time? It's amazing in life, it's now a privilege to beg to do one thing at a time in your mm. personal life, in your professional life, everywhere. Also, totally. I'm a terrible multitasker. Like, uh, you know. Well, as multitasking in, as in bad at it. Is, yeah. Yes. yeah, but it's proven to be bad for you and, and so unproductive and bad for our brains. I mean, one thing that kind of annoys me is when people assume that the multi-hyphen method is about multitasking. I'm like, they've got the same multi in there, but the book is all about doing one thing well. Just do many things, but just do one thing well. Yes. At a time. Yes. Yeah, well, it's sort of crucial, isn't it? Um, and what else is in there? Um, Surely there must be really. Oh, a glasses cleaner. Because <laughs> I, I, you know, we were just saying something that makes you look a bit unhinged, like the old lipstick on the teeth. I'm just like dirty glasses woman. Any photo shoot where the stylist is like, ugh, you're so gross. Finger smudges. Um, Greasy finger Yeah, that's smudges. about it. And then my keys and some mascara. What's the mascara? Um, it's not actually a very good one. It's Max Factor Fusion. Not a good one? Oh, I know why I need my... a new one, actually. Any recommendations? Yes. It, depending on what kind of mascara you like. I like it to look really um, clogged and clunky. Okay, I'll tell you exactly what you need to buy. You need to buy one which is counterintuitively by Avon. Okay. And it's called Avon Mark 
big extreme mascara. So I've got some in my bag. You can try it in a minute. Oh, amazing. And it will really give you some boom. I need that because I'm so blonde. It's I have no hair, really. No, no eyebrows. <laughs> no hair. <laughs> Nothing, really. But you've got a signature look. Blonde hair, red lips. Yeah, and also you're not meant to overdo both, are you? You're meant to do either the bold lip and then and then faint eyelashes, or no, I don't think that's true. I think you're meant to do either a bold lip or a really heavy eye. But mascara doesn't give you a heavy eye. Okay, a lot of coal and eyeshadow gives you a heavy mascara. Just right, opens your eyes so up, not don't you think? no eyeshadow with the red lip. Yeah, and then my Google Pixel. Oh, you see, now you're one of those Which who, is kind of, slack, you know, hashtag spawn. But love, I do but, love Google But you Pixel. love it, don't you? And I've you had quite, it for three years. You're quite smug about it, as you well, see us all chained to our Apple. I was, a, I was definitely an Apple girl, and I definitely um, loved it. And also, because I'm a podcaster, iTunes was really important to me. Never thought I'd change. And then they gave me a free phone about three years ago, and I thought, oh, I'll just, like, give it to a friend like I'll just try out for a week and I've never turned back really the camera is amazing and I think as my my personal outlook on it is I use Gmail I use Google Maps I use Google Google Docs I use Google so all of the googly stuff is obviously way better on a Google phone are you really good are you really good at tech I mean, I don't know. I think I used to be, and I think now I think, oh, maybe I'm kind of a bit behind now. But I think I know enough. Does that bother you? I mean, I, the, the fear of sort of dropping enough stitches to suddenly find yourself sitting in a room unable to open the door or, you know, start your car. That's slightly how I feel. I feel like in five years, will I just be a person who can no longer negotiate with the world or navigate through the world because I find tech quite scary? On I mean, mom- I think it's a real myth that the older you get, the worse you get with tech. Like, I know so many people in their 60s who are amazing at tech. I think that's a real, that's a strange stereotype. Like, I, I don't believe that. How do you hang deal? out with my mum? <laughs> yes, can't turn the telly on. I am Amelie on her telephone because she just kept texting the first person <laughs> alphabetically all the time. So we changed it to me so that I could just get the texts. I mean, my, my parents are very on it and very savvy and actually they taught me how to get this new banking app and like categorize all my different things i learn from them they learn from me i don't know i just think they're actually the demographic the over 55s who spend the most money on gadgets in the home absolutely it's been, right it's been, um, yep. that's what the research says and obviously they have more disposable income maybe. it's also it, the research also shows i'm sure you'll know that the generation x's spend more time online than the millennials yeah i mean so digitally engaged slash obsessed slash addicted yes hashtag winging did yeah. you see that Frankie and Benny story a few weeks ago where they have banned phones from their, some of their restaurants because the kids had said they get upset that their parents are on their phones over dinner? Oh, I... that's. But then someone said, well, Frankie and Benny's also serve massive milkshakes. Like, do they care about kids' health and <laughs> yes. welfare? Massive Not piles sure. of sugar. Yeah. But no, parents are as bad as kids, aren't they? How do you cope with stress? It's a really good question because I think when I'm stressed, I am not a very good version of myself. Um, I'm very snappy. I send off emails too quickly. I try and cancel everything in my diary, which is a really weird, very sort of intense sign of anxiety flaring up with me. I will look at my calendar and I will email. So I so I work with an amazing woman called Kim who does all my like diary management and she helps me with my brand partnership. She's 
my like fairy godmother basically but I'll I'll start emailing her going can we cancel that meeting can we cancel that meeting and she's like why are you trying to cancel everything and I'm just overwhelmed by life but when I actually break it down none of those things are that that scary we're talking a lot at the moment about how a lot of us find ourselves living in the overwhelm it becomes the landscape of our lives and it's it's a very claustrophobic distressing place to be actually and it makes us all act out in different ways whether it's cancellation or sabotage or isolation. That, and I'm so interested in that self-sabotage because I do that. I, things are going so well and, I, and to make myself feel more comfortable, I'll just like mess things up a bit. I think that um, I'm better now at sort of spotting the red flags because I used to just melt down after, and now I think, oh, okay, have I gone for a walk today? Have I looked up? Have I done something that's not work-related? Have I spent 10 minutes just listening to the spa playlist on Spotify? Oh my God, so good. Um, <laughs> it's just all these things. So I'm, I'm still learning, as, as is everyone, I think. Do you have any mantras that you live by, any little sort of affirmations or sayings or beliefs that push you through the day in a happy way? Mm, that's a really good one. Um, well, one that I really stick to is um, this guy called Seth Godin. Don't know if you know him. He's a bit of a niche um, role model of mine, but he's a marketing genius in America. And he always says that you should always concentrate on making things that matter for people who care. And that's my kind of life mantra: is I don't want to be everything to everyone. I don't want to have a million adoring Instagram followers, actually. I want to make something that I feel that matters for people that care, and that might be 100 people, that might be one person. I think I go into things of just like, what's this for? Um, And that has really helped me. I know what you mean, because when we, when Emily and I started The Middelt, we were very focused on anxiety, and not just laughing about anxiety, but making people feel recognized through their anxiety. But there's this idea of the hot mess. And I feel like that's on trend right now. I agree. The idea that you're sort of, you know, flapping around and you're you're slightly helpless, very feminine, quite fuckable, not quite coping, need to be rescued. Um, It's like a fragile bird. It's another strand of that, exactly, of that kind of, that, that, princess narrative isn't it Mm -hmm. except for she's you know she's a slightly disheveled princess I don't want to be a disheveled princess it's such a complicated conversation because I just I just think about it a lot because I struggle if I'm being honest with showing the mess and I think when I'm running a business and I want to come across as a capable person and like I really want to be professional and I want to have my shit together and I want to make loads of money like which doesn't mean I don't share kind of thoughts and and feelings and vulnerabilities like I shared something recently about rejection you know I want to I want to but it's a narrative that I want to put out there rather than I'm having a shit day can have a hug Mm -hmm. I don't think that's appropriate sometimes to put on like your business platform if you did that God knows what would happen to you in (laughs) MS. you could be taken down (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just trying to buy a sandwich here. Exactly. What's the writing in Evanescence? It's just everyone trying to give Emma Gannon a hug. Yeah, Emma Gannon needs a hug. <laughs> <laughs> Emma Gannon, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for not cancelling. You're a you sensation. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, I'm Emily and I'm absolutely fine, but I have been developing an eye twitch and it seems to happen just at the moment when I am talking to someone and trying to have a kind of you know uh, really powerful conversation and I suddenly feel 
in the uh, the bottom of my eye this kind of twitch and I think oh my god can they tell do I look deranged am I sleep deprived which is obviously true um and uh yeah so there I am just twitching everywhere how are you I'm absolutely fine but um at four this morning I became convinced that I had appendicitis I had this strange low-lying pain and um and I and I I didn't think oh general anesthetic and possible death I thought I'm going to miss work tomorrow and <laughs> that's, that's so, not possible and then possible. became overwhelmed with feelings about you know responsibility and then went back to sleep and then woke up and realized it was probably wind so that was quite undignified <laughs> and woke up to find that the boiler was broken um so Vince the plumber is here thank god so if you hear banging it's only Vince now we fervently hope that you're enjoying this series of I'm Absolutely Fine. So we thought we'd do a special one with someone who's been part of the process because her brand Hush bravely sponsors this series. But she's also a woman who understands that sometimes it's bloody difficult to get dressed. Here we are, all grown up. We've mastered the art of buttons and laces. And yet on the mad, bad days, our wardrobes become the enemy. So we are very happy to welcome Maddie Watkins, the amazing Aussie creative director and founder of Hush, champions of laid-back style for rebel women. Mandy, how are you? I am absolutely fine, Annabelle, but I've just had braces put on, which you can probably hear. So here I am trying to talk to you without a lisp, but I have got a lisp now. <laughs> we have a theory that every woman in their 40s wants braces and a tattoo. Emily has braces and three tattoos. Right. Um, I want braces and a tattoo. <laughs> I actually want a tattoo, or do you want? Um, I want, or do you want the idea a tattoo, of a tattoo, but I'm not far enough down the line to actually have the tattoo yet. I think I'll get that. It may not be for another decade or so. Mandy, do you, have you got any tattoos? No tattoos. Not I, self-inflicted pain. I'm, I, I was not one of the, yeah, no, no. So no tattoos. <laughs> and hating the braces. Are oh, you hating it? Hating the braces, yes. I wanted to wear my braces. I've got Invisalign as Solidarity Band, but I wouldn't let me. Right. <laughs> um, so you've just got um, them on the bottom. Is that for like midlife snaggle fan? I've, I found one dentist that said, you don't need them on top and bottom. Every other dentist I went to said, you need them on top and bottom. <laughs> I found the one that said, you don't need them on top and bottom, just bottom. So that's the one I've gone with. But I always think, aren't, they like, aren't jaws like boobs? Don't you have to look at one half to look at the other half? Yeah, I think, yes, possibly, but not according to him. So... <laughs> I'm, I'm going with him. I'm slightly worried it might be like when you decorate one part of a room in your house and then it makes the rest imagine, of the house. Imagine if they're on for a year and then I think, shit, I should, I'm now going to have to do the top as well to even at the bottom. But I'm hoping not. No, I'm hoping not. That, that, yeah. that the only yeah. dentist in London who said that was right. But, exactly. <laughs> Mandy's you, clutching herself in shame. Mandy's clutching at straws. <laughs> um, I tell you what we were talking about earlier, which we one of the things we really like about the brand is that you started really designing loungewear, pyjamas, yeah. cardigans, because all any of us want to do is stay at home and read mm -hmm. a book and watch telly. And now it feels like you're designing clothes that feel that way. So it's like fake armour. You look like you've tried, but you can't, you don't remember that you're wearing something that is presentable. You still feel as comfortable as you do on the home, on the home, on the, on home. The, on the home, on the sofa kind of covered in stains and crumbs. I, I am a, not a fan of clothing that reminds you that you've got it on. So anything where you're, you know, 
pulling it down or it's itchy or anything like that drives me nuts. So I'm a big believer in get dressed in the morning and then forget what you've got on. Um, so I guess our clothing very much tries to fulfill that need. What's the stuff of yours that is the most popular? What are, what are your audience and your customers just crazy for? It's it's often basics. So mm. I'm I am I say the girls the stuff that defeats us by yes, the way makes I, us hysterical. I, I think that um, I'm I'm not really trying to design the next it item. It's the item that whenever you open up your wardrobe, you think, oh, can I wear it again? Can I wear it? <laughs> I, I I'm gonna wear it again. I'm gonna wear it again because it's just easy. And every time I wear it, somebody says, oh, you look nice in that, and it's comfortable. That to so me, what's not to like? Why complicate it? Exactly. That to me, that's, that's, I mean, to have a wardrobe full of clothing like that, that is the ultimate. I mean, I, I agree. I think basics are the thing um, that is that is the hardest because you think, oh God, how hard can it be to find a white t-shirt that that sort of sits in exactly the right place, has the right mm-hmm. um, level of uh, sleeve versus shoulder? Hard. <laughs> and uh, but I also think that you know if you have a comfortable canvas, then you can be the person that you want to yeah. be on top of that. And I think that's really that's uh, you know freedom uh, is yeah. what it is actually. Yeah. Because if you're constantly tugging at a sort of you know at a sl- at a seam or a gusset or a button or a something. or worried that a directional sleeve is going to kind of go into the soup or into the tea or kind of God knows where. Do you know what makes your customers panic? Do you do they, you know what the, the problems that they encounter when they're getting dressed? I I often think it's it's when you're thrown into a situation that is not your normal situation. So I often find the time I find it tricky to get dressed is between seasons because all of a sudden you go from winter to summer and you start seeing parts of your body that you haven't seen for a year and they may well have changed over the course of the year and you or you know you're seeing your feet all of a sudden and it's kind of like and they haven't had a pedicure and they're not really up to much um so I think that's tricky um and I sort of think also when you're thrown into an, an environment with people that you don't know or just an occasion that you sort of think, okay, I don't usually have to dress like this, um, I, I, th- I think that makes people feel quite intimidated. I agree, totally yeah. unnerved. I know Annabelle has a really good theory about when it when we suddenly have heat waves and then everybody, you go outside and everybody looks insane. Like I think that Londoners in heat wave look like they're in fancy dress. <laughs> because they, they immediately go insane. Because heat waves usually come out of nowhere. It doesn't sort of jump from sort of, you know, 32 degrees, 35 degrees. It goes from 20 degrees to 35 mm-hmm. degrees. I mean, you wore a very interesting outfit at the beginning of the heat Do wave you remember? last summer. We it, had to go, we had a really grown up meeting with our literary agent and I ended up wearing like a huge, kind of almost like puffball pink skirt with a kind of like a, like a, a basket that I'd got from a holiday in, you know, and, and gold Birkenstocks. And gold Birkenstocks. That someone had given you 15 a years ago. thousand years ago. Yeah, and, it, and, it, and you know, I did look like I was sort of, yeah, in costume. Tell yeah. you what I find, and I think a lot of women find this, I'm ready for summer in September. And I'm ready to dress really well for winter in March. Yeah, yeah. I, when I, it takes me that long <laughs> to finally think, Hmm, I've got my outfit sorted. But also, don't you get that kind of tingly feeling every now and then when you look at your wardrobe and you go, I am so done oh, with all my... I'm, I'm I done cannot now. put I'm, any of that stuff yeah. on again. I'm yeah. really excited for this stuff that's sort of, that, that's bubbling around. Well, I don't panicking. get that because my new thing is I wear the same dresses all year round with or without a coat. I think that's the best thing about dresses is that we have been able to, or the recent vogue for loads and loads of dresses is that we've been able to to just wear them 
with polar necks and also it's, also it's one thing ah, so yes. if i look at mandy today who's wearing some very cool boyfriend jeans and a very nice white t-shirt that might be the perfect white t-shirt and the sort of pale pale peachy nudie colored jacket i think ah that looks very nice it's th- you've thought about three things the same reason you've got thing. on the table i like those pink glasses yes. some rather glamorous spectacles talk us through those i have got a we're about to start selling them largely because I've got a bright pink pair and I bought them and I when I came home with them I put them on and my daughter said seriously (laughs) you're not and I said seriously I am sweetheart (laughs) and the number of people that have stopped me in her company and said oh my god I love your glasses where'd you get your glasses from and she looks at me every single time and um so I thought okay well so many people love them then then we'll sell them then it's easy for people to find them I have a theory that glasses are one of the things in life that should not be taken seriously and one of those reasons I don't you know that that vogue for buying you know Prada, Versace, Dolce glasses for sort of 250 quid. I mean, they get lost or sat on, don't they? And then you feel like such a dick. But also, the the reason why I went for the bright pink ones were black handbag, bright, you know, black glasses, which is kind of typical, what I'd had before, can never find them. That's how I feel about wallets and purses. I think it helps to have a bright colour, yes. one, because it's happy making, yes. and two, because you don't have to do quite so much rustling, which A, makes you feel mad, B, makes you look mad, and C, if you happen to have a manicure, which I don't, ruins it. And the other I thing, I think, you know, when, when we're, we were brought up, you know, to believe that that, that, that that somehow transforming our outfits from day to night and from office to bar would be a really big part Yeah, no, of, that's it. Earrings, isn't it? It's That's earrings and shoes, isn't Earring. it? Yeah. I mean, sh- um, maybe shoes, shoes if you're being fancy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But even when I had a corporate job um, up until about sort of four years ago, um, I remember talking to the fashion team and they were like, these are really great jumpers. You can wear a jumper to work. And I was like, I cannot wear a jumper to a meeting. Now, of course, I wear jumpers to meetings all the time. But, but in, yeah. in, in, in an office work, situation. So 20 years ago. Um, uh, and, and some friends of mine who, who are lawyers and work in the city still do this. It really was a skirt suit. Yeah. I've never owned one. I couldn't. I'd look like Elsa <laughs> Klebb. But, it, you know, that was, that was the way. that It was people looking for, you know, inoffensive skirt and affordable skirt suits. Mother of the bride kind of stuff, but in slubby colours. Uh, see, I must, I've worked for an advertising agency and then Adidas... Um, but also so you're Australian. I'm Australian, yeah. yeah. Which so do people say, okay, that's fine, that you just get have a licence to, yeah, to be a you little do. bit more I'm casual? Australian. I'm yeah. Australian. You get forgiven for all sorts of what, things. Apart from the obvious, obvious climate stuff, what can you pinpoint about the way Australian women dress versus the way that British women dress? I, I think we're... When my parents come over here, they sort of say, oh my goodness, the British woman looks so stylish. And yeah, they... Yeah, and... Um, and astounded. And and considered, um, and I think maybe Australian dressing is a little bit less considered, just or more laid back, more laid back, yeah, more like, which I think is very much weather focused. Yeah, I whole, think, but I think that comes through in Hush. Yeah, you know, because it is it is all about ease, really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Although I did, and I was all I'm about ease. I, all about ease. I did buy a dress from Hush. I mean, totally coincidentally, um, in the winter. And I thought, oh, it was dark green with gold stars. And oh, I loved yeah. it. And I still love it. And I thought, hmm, grown up. <laughs> and I wore it to something grown up. And then I sat down. And Mandy, you terrible slut. It is I slit know, to I the know, hip. I know. I had to my throw miss. myself in front of it. Yes, Emily almost flung herself across my lap. I mean, you could see everything. Dead sexy when you're walking. But when you sit down, yeah, that is a long little leg. A little bit too available. That's a long leg. I, we have, we have um, sewn it up a little bit. So the split's not quite so, yeah. Yeah. 
Because that was daring. Yeah, that. Are there any sort of mantras that you live by? Any things that you tell yourself to help you get through the day? Um, I have a, I have a mother who has got a million and one sayings. Um, and I you know, do unto others is a big one. Um, and I think... Do unto others is a good one. It is a good one. The, and low expectations. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. High hopes, low expectations. It all goes wrong when you have high expectations. Yeah. So, Mandy, you're a sensation. Thank you so much for coming to see us. Thank you, girls. It's been really enjoyable. You've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of The Mid-Alt. Our book, I'm Absolutely Fine, is out now. If you like what you've heard, please rate, review and subscribe. This podcast was bravely sponsored by Hush. And we'll leave you with this thought. If it's not going right... Go left. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling... We are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.